Welcome to the ATD NYC Unlock Podcast, brought to you by the ATD New York City Chapter, where we're dedicated to helping you excel as a talent and development practitioner. We're your hosts, Samantha and Marina, and each week we'll dive into captivating interviews with industry leaders, engaging in candid discussions about the latest trends in learning and development. But that's not all. We'll also be sharing insider tips and tricks to empower your success in this profession. In today's episode, we have a very special guest joining us, Brandon Bramley, the founder of The Salary Negotiator. Brandon brings a wealth of knowledge and expertise to the table. With a background in strategic negotiation from his roles at renowned companies like Amazon and American Airlines, He's not only led multi-million dollar business-to-business negotiations, but has played a pivotal role in recruiting and hiring career professionals. With over a decade of experience in salary negotiation, Brandon now runs The Salary Negotiator, where he offers professional job offer and salary negotiation coaching. His mission is to help individuals navigate the often challenging job offer negotiation process with confidence, enabling them to earn the compensation they deserve. Throughout this episode, we'll explore the intricacies of salary negotiation, uncovering the strategies and insights that can unlock your earning potential. So get ready to tap into Brandon's extensive knowledge and gain the tools you need to master the art of negotiation. It's time to tune in, turn up the volume, and unlock your potential with the ATD NYC Unlocked podcast. Hey, Samantha. Hi, Marina. Have you ever had to negotiate your salary before? Yes, and it always makes me really nervous and uncomfortable, and I get knots in my stomach because I just don't know how to do it in a way that I feel confident. So I really want to learn more about how to go about it the most effective ways. I definitely feel you, and that's why we're so lucky today to have Brandon Bramley, the founder of The Salary Negotiator, with us today. Welcome to the show, Brandon. Thanks, Marina and Samantha. I'm happy to be here, and I hope I can share some tangible advice to the current professionals on your show. But before we get into our conversation, I almost forgot our trivia question. So our trivia question today is, according to a Pew Research Center study conducted in early 2023, what percentage of U.S. workers in the study asked for higher pay the last time they were hired for a job? Think about that, and we'll let you know the answer if you stick around to the end. Okay, so let's start with our question. So really curious, Brandon, how did you get into the business of salary negotiation? Yeah, great question. So it's kind of a funny story. So I was actually in one of my negotiation classes during the last semester in college, and I just actually received a job offer from American Airlines. So I decided to go ahead and give it a try to try to negotiate it. And then my plan was to turn it into my professor as my final project. So I went through the negotiation as an undergrad for my first like big career role. And it ended up actually being successful. So I was able to get a big base increase, a huge sign-on bonus, and even 60,000 airline miles that ended up paying for a trip to go to Ecuador for three weeks. So as a new grad, it was pretty awesome. 
So I actually ended up turning that into my professor back in the day, and she actually put me in touch with another friend that got a job offer with American Airlines. So I then helped him do it. And when we started, we were actually in the procurement operations of American Airlines, where our core role was to go ahead and negotiate with business to business on behalf of the airlines. So we had a huge cohort of professional negotiators, and we found out that we are the only two to negotiate, and no one else did mostly because they had fear around it that they were undergrads, that they didn't have leverage. So what ended up happening is as kind of my cohort friends and colleagues started leaving the airline, they would come to me for help with how to negotiate. So I started helping more friends than it was friends of friends, other colleagues, until after doing that for about five or six years, I actually spun up the salary negotiator six years ago, where I've started to essentially offer that one-on-one coaching to everyone and not just my close friends and other professionals. I just want to like pause for a second, though. <laughs> the fact that you were able to negotiate miles and all that whole that whole package, that's a, as an undergrad, you know, people twice your age wouldn't wouldn't be able to do that would be too intimidated to do that. So hands off the class to you for being able to negotiate <laughs> that. Clearly, you're in the right profession. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, an undergrad being able to take a trip before you start all for free. <laughs> Can't miss that perk. Yeah, that would be impressive at any age. And like I said, I'm definitely intimidated by salary negotiation. For those needing to negotiate salaries in the future and just your benefit package in general, you've gotten an offer and people might feel that they don't want to make an organization upset by negotiating, right? Especially maybe asking for those additional airline miles. So what strategies can you recommend to our audience to build their confidence and advocate for themselves? Yeah, great question. Because to be honest, I mean, a lot of people get fear when they think of salary negotiation. For some reason, they think it's going to be aggressive. The company's going to be upset. They're going to rescind the offer. There's essentially a lot of these myths that I think are going through people's minds, which makes sense, right? If for most roles, you're interviewing for it because you actually want the role. You don't want to do anything to jeopardize it. So you essentially go through the interview realm, putting your best foot forward, trying to land that job, and then you get the job offer. And that's when the negotiation comes. So it's hard to kind of get out of that and do anything that you think might jeopardize it or make you look bad in front of the company. But I really see those as myths because if you think about it, one is what leverage do you have in the negotiation? Typically during the interview, you're trying to show them you're the right one for the role. Once they give you a job offer, you essentially, they now want you for the role and everyone's checked off to say, we want to hire you. So the leverage actually shifts in the conversation. So you already have kind of should have the confidence as well as the ability to negotiate because if they don't hire you, think what happens. They have to go back to the job boards. They have to start doing interviews again, as well as they have a hiring manager that might be upset. So it's more than likely that they'll actually work it out with you if the compensation data shows and they do have the ability to move. So it's always worth it. The other thing I also want to highlight is we've never seen a job offer rescinded for negotiating. So for anyone that is kind of concerned or doesn't have confidence, if you do it the right way, there shouldn't be a risk. Because in all honesty, it should not be an aggressive experience. It should always be in the tone, almost like you're asking a friend how they should help you feel and like feel comfortable in the move to the new company where you really don't jeopardize that relationship. So it's really not that old school car salesman negotiation where they throw out a high number, you throw out a low number and meet in the middle as you yell at each other. It's much more about being strategic and kind of having confident conversations. I just want to jump in though. I mean, I could see that during a time where jobs are plentiful, but when there's a downturn and there's 10 other people who would be willing to take the job, 
or in industries where there's people lined up out the door for that position, what happens then? Are you still saying you should still negotiate hard? Yeah. So I would still negotiate because if you think about it, it's definitely going to be harder to get a job if the economy is tough and there's more applicants for it. But once you get that role, that essentially means the entire hiring team has kind of checked off the box that they want to hire you. It's now on to the recruiter to make sure that you accept. And then if you think about how compensation works actually at companies is there's always a salary range, which is usually a base salary range and a total compensation range for every role and level. Because one, they do bring in different candidates at different ranges based off skill set, as well as two, they want to make sure that there's room for those current employees to grow as they get promotions or raises or merits. So if you do negotiate, there's typically room to move to make sure that you start hopefully closer to the top end of that pay range before you begin. But the leverage doesn't disappear just because it's a tight labor market. The worst case is you might get like a no, you might try a few strategies and they don't negotiate, and then you end up accepting as is. But more likely, they're going to negotiate on some perk or some compensation component before you begin. Maybe we should back up a little bit here. And you did touch upon it briefly. But at what point during the recruiting and selection process should you begin negotiating or even figuring out what you want to negotiate on? Yeah. So really, it doesn't come up until you actually get the job offer. Because as I mentioned, that's when the leverage shifts. A big mistake that I see a lot of people do is when they're first interviewing for the role or the recruiter reaches out for that phone screen, they get the scary question of like, hey, what is your salary expectations? And they think they need to be ready to go. That's when the negotiation's happening. But absolutely do not share those. We highly recommend against it. And the reason being is you haven't even interviewed for the role. So you don't know the compensation package or the components that might come with it. You don't know what benefits might come along. And you haven't met the team or actually know what role you'll end up getting. So you don't know really what role level it could be. So to do all that before they make their selection really doesn't make sense. And you run the risk of either one, throwing out a number that's too low, and then you might go ahead and get a compensation that's not on the top end of the payment. Or another bad thing is throwing out a number that's too high. And they might be like, shoot, we're not going to be able to afford this person. Maybe we should go in a different route. And then you actually don't end up even getting the job offer. So really, the negotiation shouldn't start until you actually land the job offer. And then you can start going through the salary negotiation steps. Just to piggyback off of that, people are seeing salary ranges in job descriptions. When the job is posted, New York City and some other states have been starting to post those salary ranges. It's part of the law now. So how should one use those salary ranges to negotiate their offer? Yeah. So at the moment, they're definitely good guidance to understand what the pay range could be. But as states have started to roll these out, we have found that they don't actually provide the full picture. As anyone's kind of read the news, we've seen the Netflix position that was, I believe, for a flight attendant that essentially had a compensation of like 60000 to like three or hundred or 400000 So it's it's really hard to kind of take those as truthful. However, some are, but typically they're going to be base salary or include some components. So it's not only truthful. So it's good to go ahead and use that as a baseline to understand what it might be, but to always do your compensation research. Because like I mentioned, every company is going to have their own set pay range for their role at their company at that level. So you should be able to do the research to find out hopefully what that is, both on a base salary basis and a total compensation basis. So you can confirm if that job description actually matches what you're finding or if it's lower or higher. So you can set your expectations and it can guide you in what to ask for. I was just going to say, well, unless you're 
best friend is a compensation manager. Like, how do you even know where to like find information about what the compensation should be? Yeah, absolutely. And it really, so that really comes down to the size of the company, right? A bigger company that hires a bunch of the same roles is going to be a little bit easier than say like a smaller startup. However, most of this information will be online. We use a few different like internal databases at the salary negotiator, but as for the public, some great resources are like levels.fyi, Payscale is one of our favorites, Glassdoor, salary.com, Indeed, and using those as well as a quick Google search to see what you can find at your company to see if anyone's publicly reviewed those or if they just have a general salary report for that position in your location. The only thing with that is you should never use one resource to go ahead and kind of narrow that down. And the reason being is a lot of those are publicly reported. So sometimes maybe they'll miss the bonus, sign-on bonus, equity, and you're not getting the true picture or if someone made a mistake updating those. So typically when you do that, you want to go ahead and average across multiple resources if you can to get a better idea of what that pay range might be. That's also a place where you can go ahead and bring in as one of those components or sources, the job description, if it starts to share some of that information. That way you can vet to see really if they make sense or if they're completely off. So that actually takes us to our next question, which is what should you do if you're, a lot of people think about salary negotiation when they're starting a job, but what if you're already in the role and you're about to get promoted I don't think it ever occurred to me to, to think about nego- negotiating my salary when I was being promoted. I just figured like, oh, I'm going to get the standard thing that they give to people at that next level. What should you do when you're promoted? Yeah, that's a great question because a lot of people do miss that. They either sit in a role where they haven't been promoted yet and they don't negotiate and they get a little upset because they feel they're underpaid or they just take a promotion because obviously they're excited <laughs> because most of our, us are after kind of growing to the next step and getting that new role. So really, it should be treated just like you're getting a new job offer. And when you get that promotion before you formally accept and you get those compensation details, the first step in an internal salary negotiation with your current employer would be to go ahead and do the compensation research. Research the new role, find out what the base salary range is, as well as the total compensation range is, and how that compares to the offer of the new compensation you're receiving to see if there's a gap. If there is a gap, then it makes sense actually kind of working on some type of counteroffer to go ahead and actually share back with the hiring manager, whether it's your current manager or a new one within the company, and actually handling a few objections to make sure that they do take it back to the recruiting team or their HR team to see if they can work with you before you fully accept and make that transition. Because if you haven't negotiated before, it's possible that you are on the lower spectrum of the pay range, or you might not be at the top end. So typically, there's a standard increase that you're going to get with most promotions, unless you have someone advocating on your behalf to go ahead and push it up a little bit. So you've laid out some steps you should take when you're working on getting a promotion or you're getting a promotion. Are those the same steps that you would take if you were getting an offer at a new company? Yeah, great question, Marina. Um, So they're going to differ slightly, but they're also very similar. So when it comes to a new job offer, and my apologies for skipping this earlier, is our proven kind of negotiation steps on what we work through at our company and what we recommend most people do is the first step when you get a new job offer, before you mention any type of numbers, is to go ahead and do what I call the due diligence phase. So essentially, actually make sure you understand the offer, you review all the compensation components, as well as the benefits, and actually come up with some questions to send back to the recruiting team. Because this is where, one, you're going to get any of your last questions answered. If you don't understand something or if you have anything on your mind before you make this career decision, 
as well as it allows you to clarify different things. Like how does the bonus structure work? Is it really a 15% or is it actually 10% on the historical average? As well as if it has equity, how does the equity work? Are they options? Are they stock options? You have to pay to exercise those as well as what benefits are included and how do those compare to other companies? Because in this step, what you're doing is you're actually learning more about the job offer, just like any other negotiation, learning about the deal before you negotiate it. And you're actually building up leverage by showing that you almost are on the, the fence by asking strategic questions because to go ahead and build some additional leverage and show they might not be as competitive as where you might get those elsewhere. So that's always step one. The second step, <laughs> as I mentioned before, is essentially taking a database approach and doing the compensation research. Now that you have the job offer in front of you, you know the level of the role, you know what team you're in, you can start conducting that research to see what the pay looks like and where your initial offer sits on that pay range. That way you can move into the following step, which is essentially building a counter offer on how you're going to present that to the recruiter or the hiring manager. And then the final step that a lot of people skip is they get a no, which is usually coming from most companies but actually learning how to handle that as an objection to make sure that your counteroffer makes it past the recruiter into the decision maker's hands. And they actually do review it and hopefully come back with a better package before you accept. And how about if you are lucky enough to receive multiple offers? Can you tell us if there's a particular strategy to approaching multiple offers with your salary negotiation? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think that's what all of us would like to do. A little easier said than done um, is have multiple offers. But to be candid is they definitely do give you leverage kind of as a career professional because you now have multiple options, right? If you don't like one job offer, you can take the other company or if a company doesn't move, you can go with them. But actually, most of our salary negotiations have been successful without using or having multiple offers. Because you have that intrinsic leverage that I mentioned before, where the company really does want you for the job. And if you're able to build some leverage by asking strategic questions, they'll usually negotiate. We usually only recommend actually bringing other offers up to the company you're negotiating with in a second counteroffer if they don't move on a database approach. The reason being is a lot of people think that having multiple offers is going to help them negotiate or get the company to move. But rarely is that company going to see that other offer as competitive. It would need to be a, a similar competitive, the same role, same compensation basis, as well as not have like other candidates or anything else that they're looking at for them really to think it. Because their worry is when you negotiate and you mention another role, if it's one much higher and the company can't move, they're going to know that they can't hit that. And it's very possible that they call your bluff and say, hey, sorry, we can't make any movements. This is the last and final offer. We now need a decision by the end of the day because in their mind, they assume that you're going to say no anyways and they have to go the other route. The other thing is they don't want to get into a bidding war. They want someone that's fully bought in, wants to work with their team and start right away. So they don't want to give you a better offer just to find out you take it back to that other company and don't accept anyways. So typically what I recommend is keep those other offers in your back pocket almost as like your option in case you decide not to go to that company and only bring it in after you try a database approach and they don't move, then you kind of reduce that risk of them not negotiating and you have some extra leverage in your back pocket to share with them to see if they won't move before you begin. Yeah, that's that's really good insight. I wouldn't have even thought to do that, but I like that approach because then you're not shooting yourself in the foot before you need to. That's really great to hear. I, I want to jump in because I think Samantha and I, when we were coming into this conversation, we were thinking a lot about salary 
But sprinkled into some of your answers, you've talked about some of the other things that people could potentially negotiate about. So can you talk, when you think about ATD New York City, we're talent development professionals. So what types of things should we be thinking about outside of salary when we're negotiating offers? So the, the first thing is kind of the salary components. So rather than thinking of salary, there's salary components and then there's benefits. So in the salary components, make sure that you're thinking about your base salary, any bonuses or commissions, maybe equity, depending on the type of company, if they're giving that to you. And then also like a sign-on bonus or a hiring bonus as your perk. So those are kind of those compensation components that you should be looking at negotiating. But the non-compensation components that are another big item that you can negotiate is going to be the benefits and perks at different companies. So a lot of ones that we see is extra vacation, flexible work schedules, like working remote, if they have a hybrid schedule or what you can get out of that. And if they do, getting maybe an office package or phone and Wi-Fi stipends, and then also looking for those that want to grow professionally, seeing if you can't get them to agree to any certifications or professional development funds if it isn't readily available. It's also another reason like why the due diligence phase is so big, because when you're reviewing the job offer, as well as the benefit information, you should be looking for all those items, right? What are benefits that I have at my current company, or I've seen offered at other companies that I'm not seeing here? And I'm going to go ahead and ask just to see if they offer those, because you'd be surprised on how much you can get by just asking questions before you even go into the negotiation. Then once you find these extra benefits that they either do or don't have, now in the counter, you can focus on some of those salary components, as well as any benefits that are core to you that you want to make sure they take back and see if they can include in your job offer. I'm learning so much today. Yeah, this is all going to be lots of good takeaways once we leave the show today for not just our listeners, but Marina, I think you can agree for you and I as well. So <laughs> we've, we've talked a lot about the right way to negotiate a salary, but what I'm curious about too is if there's a wrong way to negotiate a salary. Is there anything to avoid when negotiating? So you had mentioned not bringing up before you get the job offer, any numbers or negotiating, what are some other things that we should be avoiding in this process? <laughs> yeah, there's definitely plenty of items that you can try to avoid during a negotiation. I would say the top three tips is the, the one is negotiations are not aggressive. A lot of people think that they've seen negotiations on TV or maybe they've into the car dealership. But in reality, that's not how salary negotiations go. At the end of the day, you're trying to put your best foot forward still. It's almost like an interview, as well as it's a chance to show that team how you're going to work with them. So never take an aggressive approach. You always want the narrative that you're excited to work there. You want to work with their team. And the last thing holding you up is these compensation components or benefits from accepting. So that's a key one that I really want everyone to kind of hear because it should never be aggressive. I used to actually hire people into procurement roles and I would expect them to negotiate, but essentially that was a test to see one, do they have the skills to negotiate and how do they go around it? And is it a style that kind of fits my team? So keep that in mind if you're like product-based roles or negotiation roles or consultant roles, because it really is true. The other item I recommend is be realistic by doing your research on your job offer. A lot of us want to make a lot of money or we want certain perks. But in reality, most companies have set numbers that they're tied to. They might not give you those right off the bat, but if you're asking them for something that they realistically cannot provide, 
they're most likely not going to be able to do that. So one, by doing your research and having realistic numbers, you're going to not be upset if they can't meet your needs. And you're going to have realistic guidelines going in to know what to expect and what not to expect. And then if those don't fit your needs, you're welcome to kind of look for another opportunity. And the last item is really don't be afraid to negotiate. You'd be surprised at how common it is. Even for my role, most of it is coaching people on how to overcome recruiter tactics because it is so common that recruiters are constantly working to deter people from negotiating, and it's essentially part of their job. So don't be scared to negotiate. We've never seen a job offer rescinded as long as you're following a route and keeping it in a kind, confident, and kind manner. This next question is moving away from tactics. And moving towards that pay gap, that pay gap that we all know about that exists between men and women. Sometimes the pay gap is attributed partially to the fact that supposedly women don't negotiate as much for their salary as men do. But at the same time, even though people say, oh, women should negotiate more, women are more likely to receive negative feedback from negotiating, being told, oh, you're bossy or you're intimidating. So this is kind of a catch-22. What recommendations do you have for women who want to negotiate their salary? Great question, because I think it is an important topic to talk about, because I obviously work with all genders as well as all races as well, and everyone has a different approach. And my role essentially goes from being a coach to pump them up and give them that confidence, as well as some people talking them down because they're coming off as a little too aggressive. But at the end of the day, I realistically do think that everyone should negotiate because if you think about how the job is going to work, it really doesn't matter who they hire. They're going to expect you to essentially do the same task and projects. So it doesn't matter your experience level. If they're hiring you into that role, you really do deserve to be paid the same. And that's essentially what you should be advocating for. So my biggest recommendation is regardless of what gender or race you are, you really should be having these conversations and doing the research to make sure that you are getting paid correctly. As for kind of being worried about coming off as too aggressive or intimidating, the big thing there is this conversation really shouldn't fit that. Maybe that's how you are in like true business to business negotiations or your core role or other aspects of your life. But at the end of the day, in this negotiation, it really should not be an aggressive experience. You should be putting your professional foot forward, almost thinking of it as an interview. And as long as you do that, you shouldn't ever come off as bad to the hiring team. More than likely, if you navigate it in a strategic way and a professional way, they're going to make sure that like, hey, we confirmed we hired the right person. Let's give them this increase or let's give them these extra bonuses and let's go ahead and hire them and get them started. All right. You hear that, everyone out there? You should be negotiating regardless of who you are. Make sure you negotiate that next offer. At, at the end of the day, I mean, the worst case is they say no. But even at my company, we have close to a 90% success rate with negotiations. So more than likely, you're going to end up with something better than what you began. And you're usually going to learn something in the process. Yeah, we definitely don't want to be that person at the end of the day that (laughs) finds out six months, a year down the road that they're being below market and have to go through that negotiation then. It's worth having the conversation, being confident about it, and just giving it a go. Fantastic. Well, we really appreciate all of this information. We're going to start to wrap things up here. We were wondering if you could provide our listeners with a resource, tip, hack to share with the community, just kind of a one sentence or a quote to sum up this salary negotiation conversation. Yeah, I would say the the one tip that I would walk away with 
is be confident in navigating a salary negotiation and make sure that you understand the concept of total compensation. I know I've mentioned research and compensation a lot here, but I really do think that what is what makes or breaks a negotiation. And if the compensation data shows that they can pay more, typically they do. So I would keep that in mind. And then if you do need an, essentially more resources to go ahead and find out what you're currently making and what total compensation is, we've actually built on our website a total compensation calculator that will actually take your base salary, your bonus, your RSUs or your equity, as well as any commissions or other bonuses, and actually lay those out in a multiple year basis so you can understand what that is. Can you just share what was that website that you can find the salary calculator? Yeah. So our free compensation calculator is essentially at the salarynegotiator.com slash total dash compensation dash calculator. But it's essentially a free tool that anyone can use and you can share with your friends that'll essentially either let you throw your job offer in there or your current compensation to give you full visibility into your total monetary take-home pay. Wow, that sounds really useful. Um, and that ties to the next question, where can people find you if they want to stay in touch? Yeah, absolutely. I'm always happy to chat with everyone. I would say the best way to get in touch with me as well as everyone at my company is going to be at our website, thesalarynegotiator.com. So we offer one-on-one -on -one coaching that actually helps work people through the salary negotiation process where we do the compensation research, we build the strategies and essentially act as a silent third party to help them negotiate their job offers. So you can reach out to me for free there for a free consultation, or you can also check out some of our salary negotiation courses if you want to start building these tips or kind of navigate the negotiation yourself at the salarynegotiator.com slash courses. But I'm also very active on LinkedIn. <laughs> so you can find me at LinkedIn at Brandon Bramley or our business at The Salary Negotiator on LinkedIn, where we go ahead and post free resources as well. Thank you so much, Brandon. I'm so excited. I wish I was out there looking for a job so I could implement some of the things I learned today. What would you say you've taken away today, Samantha? Brandon, this was just so fantastic. We started the conversation where I was saying that I lacked a lot of confidence when it comes to salary negotiation. I feel like I can walk away now with a lot of really good insights and tips and tricks to help my confidence tremendously moving forward. Thank you so, so much. Of course, I greatly appreciate it. And I'm glad I had a chance to speak with you both and also share our advice with your listeners, because <laughs> hopefully everyone can get out there, kind of work through their compensation and it can increase their pay as we work towards pay transparency. Absolutely. Okay, so now it's time for our trivia question. So just to recap, the question was, according to a Pew Research Center study conducted in early 2023, what percentage of U.S. workers in the study asked for higher pay the last time they were hired for a job? The answer is 30% which means a whopping 60% didn't and 10% don't remember. So hopefully after today's episode, you'll be in that 30% next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in to the ATD NYC Unlocked podcast. We hope you found this episode engaging and informative and that you've gained new perspectives in the talent and development industry. If you like this episode and are interested in finding out more about the ATD NYC chapter, visit our website at atdnyc.org. That's atdnyc.org. And if you'd like to join the chapter, 
Use the code ATDNYCTEN. That's ATDNYCTEN to get 10% off your new individual membership fee. Now stay tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, keep striving to unlock your potential in the field of talent and development.